Hello and welcome to Season 4 of the VoiceOver Hour podcast, brought to you by the VoiceOver Network, an organization that is dedicated to helping, supporting and strengthening the voiceover industry. Now, my name's Rachel Naylor, and I'll be your host. I've been a voice actor for over 20 years, working in all areas of voiceovers, from video games to commercials to animation to promos. I'm also editor of The Buzz magazine, which is the only magazine in the world dedicated to the voiceover industry. I'm director at Elements Demos, founder and CEO of The Voiceover Network, and I'm also a multi-award winning entrepreneur. I talk to some amazing experts in our industry, including voice actors, agents, producers, and casting directors. They'll be sharing their stories as well as information and advice to help you with your voiceover journey. And that's what this podcast is all about. So the VoiceOver Network is the number one place for voiceover professionals to get the best training, help, support, opportunities, and access to an amazing supportive community. Head over to the voiceovernetwork.org website to see all the amazing events and workshops we have going on. I started the VoiceOver Network over eight years ago. I can't believe that now. Because I wanted to create a safe place for voiceover professionals from around the world to come together to get help, support and advice. And to strengthen this amazing industry we work in. The VoiceOver Network is a global community of voiceover professionals of all levels. So people who've been in the industry for over 40 years and people just starting out. And I'm so proud of what we've created. I want to empower you on your voiceover journey. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the VoiceOver Hour podcast. Um, I have got a fantastic guest for you guys today. I'm really excited to be talking to the brilliant Katie Young, who is the studio head at Liquid Violet. Now, Katie started her casting career, um, in, in casting voices for radio ads before moving into TV and games. She has two decades of industry experience, including 12 years at Disney. Uh, she has worked on loads of animation titles, including Space Chickens in Space, Miraculous Ladybug, PJ Masks, and 101 Dalmatian Street, as well as casting and directing talent in Racket Ralph and Phineas and Ferb. She now leads an exceptional team at Liquid Violet, bringing characters to life across gaming, film, and TV. Welcome, Katie. Thank you, Rachel. That's quite an intro. Thank you very much. <laughs> You've had an amazing career and it's really lovely. And um, thank you for taking the time to join me today to, yeah, we're going to share some information and, and talk about your career. So um, how did you how did you find your way in? Because it's always interesting to to see how people found their way into to the voiceover world. Yeah, so um, I wish I could say I had some kind of grand plan from an early age. Um, but like most of us, I think um, I initially kind of got interested in this industry through um, acting. Um, I was just a really big fan of theatre and and TV and films. Um, I especially love musicals. Um, so when I was a teenager, I joined a local theatre group and we used to put on productions at the Yvonne Arno in Guildford um, and at the Mill Theatre at the time. Um, and I actually went on and did drama at university as well. So I think I kind of, you know, I had <laughs> I had ambitions to be an actor um, and then quickly realised that it wasn't really for me. Yeah. <laughs> so I got much more into the sort of behind the scenes um, aspects of theatre. So set design and lighting and tech. Um 
but I was, you know, was very kind of acting adjacent and always kind of had a real interest in sort of performance. Mm. Um, so when I left university, that's that's what I did. I started as a receptionist uh, working in a production company for um, that made radio ads. Uh, so working with direct clients and and ad agencies, and that kind of gave me access to the to the kind of um, th- this world, I guess. Mm. Fantastic. Amazing. Amazing. I know it's always interesting. Yeah. How, how we all find our way into this magical world <laughs> yeah. of voiceovers and how um, it deviates, how the path deviates as well. Yeah. And then you, you spent some time at Disney. What was it like working at Disney? <laughs> I did. Yeah. So I started there back in 2008. Um, so having, having done the radio production, I then kind of worked in TV distribution for a bit. Yeah. Um, working in a in a kind of company that um that distributed um music content primarily so kind of filmed concerts yeah um, and kind of little documentaries b movies art house films um, and then they kind of got bought out and expanded um and they bought up a kind of collective of production companies so i got more into the tv side of things um and i joined disney in 2008 in their kind of um I guess it's localization dubbing. Um, so it was called Character Voices International. Uh, so I joined their operations team, sort of um, coordinating the the kind of local versions of of all of their content for Disney channels um, and their feature animation. So um, voiceover again, but in different languages this time. <laughs> um, initially, when I joined, they were looking to um, to localize some of their US preschool content into UK accents okay. uh, so that little children weren't sort of hearing American accents all the time. Yeah. Um, it's the opposite problem now, of course, all the American children sound like Peppa Pig, but um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at the time it was, it was, you know, uh, considered slightly uh, not ideal for kids to just only hear American accents. So, um, so that was kind of why I came on initially. Um, and then after a few years, I moved into their original production arm. So working on their animation, um, original series acquisitions, um, and live action stuff as well. Nice. Excellent. Yeah. Cause you've worked on some really fun projects. Mm. Yeah, I've been very lucky. (laughs) Excellent. Okay, so tell us a little bit about Liquid Violets and Mm -hmm. um, and the kind of kinds of projects that you guys are working on at the moment. Sure. So um, I joined Liquid um, just over two years ago now, um, and the kind of DNA of Liquid Violet was always gaming um, and um, primarily, I think, localization when it first started. Um, And there was no studio. It was just a few guys with a you know, a load of experience between them um, and a kind of, you know, really good client base working with sort of AAA developers and publishers. And um, they were making kind of proprietary tools to kind of make that process of, of globalizing gaming content a lot more um, efficient. Yeah. And then uh, the studio was bought by Keywords, who are our parent company, back in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 2018, they actually built the studio that we're currently in, in Covent Garden. So we have, you know, a nice, shiny new facility, which we're actually expanding this year as well. So it's going to it's gonna be double the size this time next year, hopefully, wow. uh, if it all goes according to plan. So, yeah, we've been in Covent Garden then for the last coming up for five years. And, yeah, we still work with those those same clients on all of their exciting sort of gaming IP. Uh, so we do some 
project management of localization, but we also um, have moved more towards doing kind of English origination. Right. So we call it audio development. So, yeah, we cast and record voices primarily. Um, we also do animated series now and features. We also do uh, UK dubbing for various um, SVOD platforms, <laughs> streaming services. I'm sure um, without mentioning them, you can kind of guess which ones. Um, <laughs> so we do a lot of of, um, of dubbing as well, which is quite a new new area for for Liquid. But obviously, I had done um, previously in my in my old life at Disney. Mm. Um, so yeah, we do we do a mix of things now, and basically, you know, we're we're sort of trying to expand our offering all the time, um, and just sort of. Um, our philosophy is quite entrepreneurial. We kind of, you know, we ask our clients what they want and then we sort of figure out how to do it. Mm. <laughs> but if it's audio, um, we're interested, basically. Nice. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. And the industry, you know, video games in particular is so exciting right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just growing and growing and it's not showing any signs of kind of slowing down. No. What ex- yeah. What exciting things are you seeing happening in the industry at the moment? Well, yeah, I think um, in a sort of slightly ironic way, the the pandemic I think sort of created a bit of a um, a bump in terms of of the gaming content and animated content that was out there. Um, primarily because it's very easy to pivot um, to working from home for a lot of those people. Yeah. Um, so obviously, for a bricks and mortar studio, it was quite challenging yeah. <laughs> because we all had to to sort of learn how to do remote recording very quickly. Um, but we kind of, you know, we got through it, which is amazing. Um, and I think, you know, having come out the other side of it, we're now in this kind of brave new world or new normal, as people say, we're very fortunate to be in the position that we have had consistent work and that, you know, people still want to, to play games. They want immersive experiences. They want storytelling. Um, and I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. Um, and I think, you know, it's really shown how, robust and how kind of um entrepreneurial the industry is um what we're seeing more and more of now which is quite exciting is crossover as well so um you know we worked on um arcane for example we did some additional casting uk casting for for that series which has obviously done phenomenally well um and i think we're seeing a lot more of that so gaming ip being turned into tv series um and films um and i think people are a lot more um you know gaming historically has been seen as a bit of a um a sort of second rate form of of art um if yeah. if you like i mean yeah. that's that's not my view and i'm sure it's not yours yes, um no. <laughs> but i think people have been quite snobby about it in the industry before and i think yeah. now people are starting to realize actually you know there's these huge kind of very narratively led um mm. games and that it, you know it is just another form of storytelling and it's just as valid um if not more so and more creative and more has so much potential you know in the way that animation does you know yeah. you can do anything in a game that you can imagine there's no yeah. kind of limits yeah. uh, so i think we're just seeing more and more of that kind of cross pollination between yeah. different different types of content which is i find really exciting yeah, absolutely. And it is, yeah, it's it's interesting because there are still people out there that think, you know, shoot 'em ups. Yeah. And yes, of course, there are those there are those games in the industry, but there are so many beautiful games that are emotional and that tackle really, you know, important 
topics like mental health and like death and like cancer and um, illness. And yeah. I think that that's, that's really exciting to kind of, to, to, you know, for the video game world to be embracing. Absolutely. And I think, I think that's the thing, isn't it? We're just kind of starting to see um, what games can do in terms of exploring those darker topics. And, and as you say, just, um, you know, when, when you think of a, of a video game, I think, you know, if you ask people that, that aren't close to the industry and, and aren't gamers themselves, it's like you say, they think of, you know, beat em ups and and mm. shooting and <laughs> kind of violence or or they think of those big kind of open world sort of fantasy games um but actually as you say there's there's some really interesting things happening in the space and um we've worked on some some projects recently which are much more um what i call kind of quiet you know they're kind of, they're kind yeah. of really um narrative they're really character driven they explore things in a in a way that is um slightly more unusual um and i think you know we're going to start to see a lot more of that as well because they're they're starting to get the recognition that they deserve those kind of you know um those critically well received games which don't necessarily have the huge budgets um yeah. and the huge platforms that that those other games more traditional forms of games do yeah Absolutely. Absolutely. And just going back to what you were saying before about um, the pandemic and obviously Mm -hmm. um, everybody working from their home studios. um, We all, you know, if you didn't have a home studio as a voice actor, you got one very quickly. (laughs) Um, And I know, you know, everybody had to kind of figure it out and, and, and carry on working. How is it now? Are you guys, are you, is everything back in studio? Are you still doing um, recordings remotely as well? Um, for us, it's it's a bit of a hybrid, really. So um, I think one of the, if you you know, if you can think of <laughs> the pandemic in terms of positive, you know, sort of silver linings. Yeah. I think one of one of the positive um, sort of effects of it was that we did have to be flexible, um, and I think you know it did probably open opportunities for people who aren't necessarily based in London, for example, yeah. um, people that may have. Um, kind of accessibility issues mm-hmm. or aren't in a position to kind of outlay lots of money coming to auditions you know I think people have become more flexible and open-minded about the way that we we kind of um you know the way that we look for talent and the way that we allow them to to audition or or to interact there's no denying that we've kind of gone backwards a little bit in terms of you know a return to to the pre-pandemic times um in that most people given a chance you know, a choice would rather have everything recorded in studio. Obviously, we can monitor quality. Um, the rooms that we that we have in Covent Garden are kind of very, um, very high end, you know, and designed for to get a very sort of clean sound, uh, which our clients kind of really um, appreciate. So, I think you know, in an ideal world, we would we would have everyone in. Um, but we record with partner studios around the world, so we can be a lot more flexible in terms of geography, where people are based. Um, we, you know, we spend a lot of time kind of um, hooking up with other studios, just testing their their sound quality, making sure that we can collaborate in a really seamless way. Um, we know that lots of actors invested in in great home studios during the pandemic, and we did a lot of work with them, sort of helping them get their home setups up to snuff kind of thing yeah um so that we could continue to work with them um and that they kind of met a certain quality um requirements yeah. so i think you know 
there is that option now. And even though it's not our kind of ideal um, in terms of, of being able to control the environment, mm. it's possible. And I think, yeah. you know, uh, we've kind of learned how to do that and to do it well. Awesome. I know it's a funny one as a voice actor because it's, you know, for me, I'm like, it's great. It's easy. I'm at home and mm-hmm. I don't have to travel. But then as a, you know, as a creative, as an actor, when you're recording in your home studio, you always have to worry about the noises. Yeah. I was saying before about, I was doing a session a couple of days ago and the wind, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and the dog, exactly. you know, and all these yeah, you know, pets, sort of things. children. That, yeah. So going into <laughs> yeah. to another studio is so lovely because you don't have to worry about that and you can just concentrate on your performance fully. Well, this is it. I mean, we're really in the heart of, of Covent Garden. You know, there's tourists, there's Covent kids, Garden. there's, yeah. there's you know, it's a really bustling place to be. But when you step inside the booth, it, you know, you can't hear anything. It's, you know, it's like stepping into another world. And I think, you know, talking to a lot of actors every day and, and talking to directors, I think they do really appreciate having a kind of separate environment and yeah. Um, you know, I think they appreciate that FaceTime as well. I think, you know, for directors yeah. working with actors and vice versa, they find it quite valuable, I think, to have a sort of space where they can create and where they can actually kind of, you know, see the whites of each other's eyes yeah. <laughs> and sort yeah. of, you know, physically interact with each other. So I think that's something that everyone did did miss. Um, yeah. And I think about Amazon knocking on absolutely. the door. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, even recording this, I'm kind of like, I can see the postman. There's emails coming in. I'm like, oh God. Um, But yeah, I think, you know, I think it's nice to have that flexibility, but I think also it's quite nice to have that, you know, I think actors quite like coming to work, having a coffee, having a chat. (laughs) I think, you know, there is, there's definitely, um, and I think, you know, when, as you know, Rachel, most actors are quite sociable creatures and (laughs) and sort of thrive on that interaction um and feedback so I think you know I think it was quite challenging for some people um being a bit isolated and I think you know in terms of content as well it really depends what you're recording I think you know obviously Mm. if you're working on things like access services audio description you know that lends itself really well to having a nice quiet home setup where you know it's just one person kind of working on that that adaptation process and recording and that works really really well um but for that kind of you know um sort of quite sophisticated close mic um you know the <laughs> sort of dialogue yeah. that we do for for triple a games for example um we would always rather have someone someone come in but um but yeah nice. it's good to, good to be flexible <laughs> definitely definitely um and in terms of castings where Ooh. do you guys how do you cast so what's yeah where where do you find your talent and and what's your kind of casting process well um, so we ha- we actually do have a, an in-house uh, casting director, Hannah McCarthy, yes. who is um, who is a powerhouse. I mean, she's absolutely incredible. Her brain is just a kind of, you know, a, a sort of supercomputer of, of names. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I think, you know, first and foremost, the thing that that I would always encourage anyone working in my team to be is a fan um, and to kind of go out there, you know, Go to the theatre, go and see live comedy, go and see music, go, you know, go to the cinema, play games, um, just really engage with with what you're making, because otherwise, you know, you may as well be kind of making tins of beans or shoes or, you know, so I think, you know, we're really lucky in that I think, you know, everyone at Liquid is quite passionate about what they do. So everyone in the team, I think, has quite a a strong sense of of their own um, taste. I think everyone kind of, you know... um, 
has a sort of level of of sort of creative input which is really valuable so um hannah works in in such a way that she's very collaborative um obviously we try and get directors on board um as early as possible in the process so that we've got their input as well um our voice directors you know are quite integral to the casting process um because hannah's amazing but obviously it does help to be able to bounce ideas around yeah um i think you know we kind of all have our our kind of go-to people who we <laughs> who we yeah. kind of know are really solid for certain types of of jobs but we're also very cognizant that we never want to fall into that trap of just kind of having you know you know typecasting people basically so we yeah. try and keep it fresh um we try and look at new people just by going to to things like showcases and and going to the theater we also do casting days as well so um we try and do a couple kind of every quarter. So we'll yeah. basically kind of um, approach an agency or a couple of agencies and we'll kind of ring fence a day and we'll say, you know, send us your your new people, your kind of um, emerging talent, people that might not necessarily have the experience or the showreels that other people do that might get overlooked when you're kind of scouring websites and spotlight and all those yeah. kind of things. Um, and we actually get them into the studio and give them a chance to to work with the director and record some some material. Um, and that gives us a really good idea as well of of who's coming up. Um, yeah. So yeah, we just we just sort of try and just keep really engaged. Yeah. <laughs> talk to people, you know, um, talk to agents, sort of say, you know, who's who's out there. We watch a lot of TV. <laughs> yeah <laughs> a lot of netflix yeah. nice. nice um and then obviously you know events like like your own rachel so obviously with the voiceover network and, and things like that that gives us another sort of touch point and um another opportunity to sort of meet people that that are just entering the industry or or you know finding their feet so um so yeah that's kind of that's kind of it really we nice. just sort of brain spend a lot of time brainstorming and a lot of time watching tv <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. And yes, because you're just uh, going to jump in, you're, you're coming to get your game on London 23. Yes. Be a speaker and you're running an intensive um, yeah. extra two day workshop with Hannah. So that's yeah. very exciting. Very, very, exciting. very exciting. We're really looking forward to it and seeing, you know, seeing what, which rising stars we can unearth. Yes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> And then, and so when you have a casting, do you, does yeah. that go, do you put it out to agents or do you use, do you ever use casting sites? Do you use Spotlight or do you have a kind of little black book? It's, it's a real mixture, to be honest. Okay. I think, you yeah. know, depending on the, the type of brief, the complexity, um, depending on the timeline that we've got to turn it around, um, how much involvement the client wants with um, with approvals, whether they are happy to just listen to kind of generic samples, whether they want self-tapes, whether they want live yeah. auditions. I mean, it, it really is a kind of... Um, a sort of matrix of, of different possibilities um we tend to i mean my my own process would always be to kind of use a casting site like spotlight i guess in the first instance yep. if i've really got kind of you know either too much choice or, or i don't know where to start um and then we tend to use agency websites we might kind of throw things out to agents you know if we're looking for children for example yeah. um we would approach kind of specialist agencies and kind of say you know who have you got that fits this brief it might just literally be a meeting a conversation where we all just kind of like throw names into into the ring we we use a variety of methods really we try and keep it keep it fresh <laughs> 
Nice. Nice. Excellent. And can people send their their demos into you guys? They absolutely can. Yes. We've got um, on our website, which is just liquidviolet.co.uk. Um, we've actually got a specific kind of generic email inbox um, for actors um, specifically to send us um, resumes and show reels and, and just to say hello, really. So um, yes, if, if you are an actor <laughs> and you'd like to get in touch, please do go to the website and, and um, have a look on the, on the, um, on our, I think it's called hello, the page. Um, and there's, yeah, there's an email address there that you can send all of your um, information to, and that will go to, to Hannah. Fantastic. Nice. Good stuff. And what do you, what do you guys like? I mean, I, you know, I'm always telling people that if they want to do video games, they need to have a video game demo specifically because mm. it really helps. Is, is that, is that something that you like or do you like a, a film show reel or, or what, what do you guys like? I think from my perspective, um, and again, you know, um, I think Hannah's kind of very honest on the same page here. Um, we just like to be able to see um, you, like your natural voice. Yep. Um, so that's quite important for us. So whether it's a kind of film show reel, whether it's a whether it's just audio, as long as we can hear your voice, yep. what really helps us is to hear your natural accent your kind of native accent as well as then anything else you can do but generally we'll come we'll come from a perspective of wanting to know what your kind of natural voice is um the other thing I would I don't want to sound negative but I would discourage is kind of I think the temptation is always to kind of show your full range and be as kind of you know out there as possible um, and push it as far as possible which I think definitely has its place but we Mm. kind of from our perspective that's kind of what the audition process is for yeah so we would always kind of encourage people to not submit anything that they couldn't maintain because obviously the thing with games is that it's a long process sometimes (laughs) I mean Mm. things things can be in development and in in recording for um, months if not years yeah. so, <laughs> so you have to think you know if I'm coming to a session that could potentially be up to four hours of recording um, yeah. can I can I maintain this um, so we want to really hear um, a range of, of your ability but keep it kind of um, realistic keep it yeah. sustainable yeah um, it's really useful for us to know if you're proficient in any other languages if you have you know a native um mother tongue apart from English that's always really handy for us to know um, what kind of projects you've worked on before because it just gives us an idea of the you know the types of content that you're comfortable with I mean we just like to hear as much as possible really Um, you know and if you haven't done games before but you have done something adjacent you know maybe you've done ADR or you've done cartoons you know that's also something that's really good for us to know as well Um, but we you know (laughs) like anything i think voiceover work it takes time to learn yes. it's a skill yes. um but you know if you haven't done it before don't self reject <laughs> yeah because you know everyone has to start somewhere so i think you know we would never discount someone because yeah. they didn't have the relevant experience so i would say don't self reject um and just make sure that you've got some some good samples some good clear samples awesome Awesome. Good stuff. (laughs) Excellent. Well, um, okay, guys, we're just going to take a quick break to hear from some of our fabulous sponsors. (music) 
You are listening to the VoiceOver Hour podcast season four, brought to you by the VoiceOver Network, sponsored by Sennheiser, Focusrite, Audio-Technica, and Elements Demos. This podcast is powered by the Focusrite Vocaster and the Sennheiser USB microphone. Having the right demo is so important as a voice actor. In fact, it's one of the most important marketing tools you need to have. Now, I created Elements Demos because I wanted to make sure that voice actors had the best demos to go out to get work and to get more representation. I have an amazing team of scriptwriters, sound engineers and directors all working with you. Check out elementsdemos.com for more information. So we are back and we've been hearing all about Liquid Violet and your casting process and talked a little bit about, yeah, what you guys would like people, if they want to get involved, to submit. Um, mm-hmm. We touched a little bit on on training and the importance of training. How how important is it? I would say <laughs> it's very difficult. I mean, we work with with actors from all sorts of backgrounds, um, yeah. you know, from people who've, who've kind of had formal training at drama schools to people that, you know, studied um studied at university to people who are are kind of self-taught really um and people that have come to acting much later in life having done other things um and similarly you know we work with directors who are also actors and writers so I think you know it's it's important to sort of have a cross-section of skills I would say um I think you know voice acting is one of those things that you know, it is a craft and you can get better at it with, yeah. with practice. Um, I think, you know, what we're always looking for initially is is that kind of, <laughs> not X factor, but, you know, we're looking for that kind of, um, the spark of something just very authentic and, and that sort yeah. of, you know, that raw talent. And we can work with that. You know, we can teach people mm-hmm. microphone techniques. We can teach them kind of how to do ethics. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's about having that kind of, that sort of grain of of sort of authenticity and and something yeah. that you know the ability to to look at a character um that might be you know an ogre or a troll or you know um a 500 year old wizard yeah. <laughs> and kind of find something find a way into that character um that isn't just kind of archetypal or or kind of you know yeah. um you know too over the top we always look for for some sort of you know truth in the performance I guess some sort of authenticity so I think you know training is obviously incredibly valuable (laughs) um but it's not it's not everything I would say yeah yeah absolutely cool good stuff so I want to talk about um being a strong female working in the video game industry Mm. how is that (laughs) and is it yeah is it still very male dominated or you what yeah Tell us how it is from your point of view. Yeah, I mean, I I would say, um, you know, at, at Liquid Violet, we're quite lucky in that, you know, we've kind of been expanding since I joined. So, um, you know, I've actively been looking to work with... Um, with more women yes. <laughs> and just to to kind of you know and just get a lot more kind of input in terms of a, across different roles tech roles um you know creative roles um I think it's just really important um to have a kind of a, a variety of voices at the table in any situation yeah. I think you know it's no secret that I think 
the gaming industry in particular is is still quite male oriented and i think you know especially in tech roles um there are a lot of, of, of sort of tech bros <laughs> Yeah. I would say, so you know, when you go to to conferences and um, you know, you go to meetings, you know, quite often you you might be the only woman at the table. Um, but I think you know things are changing, and I think you know, actively seeking it out really helps. Yeah. <laughs> so I think you know, getting involved with organisations like Women in Games, Women in Localization, Women in Animation. Um, you know, you then get that exposure to a kind of whole network of people. And I think, you know, you can find mentors, mentees, um, yeah. inspiration. And I think, you know, things are changing. I think, you know, certainly at Liquid, you know, we're over 50% female now. Um, okay. Keywords are, are very supportive, our parent company, in terms of kind of DEI um, initiatives um, and sort of strong female role models. Um, and we work with a lot of amazing women on the client side as well. So I think, you know, personally, I've been very lucky, um, but I know <laughs> it's not the same story everywhere. And I think, you know, um, it's quite easy sometimes. I think if you haven't been personally affected to kind of rest on your laurels, but mm. I think, you know, we need to keep looking, um, not get lazy, <laughs> keep yeah. looking to amplify marginalized voices, um, keep looking to kind of lift people up. Um, you know, it's it's kind of you know making sure you kind of you know put the ladder down for the next person, isn't it? Really, yeah. um, and try and give other people the opportunities that that you've had yourself and the benefit of your experiences, be they positive or negative. Um, so yeah, I think you know we try really hard at Liquid to, to sort of get involved with different kinds of schemes, um, mentorship, um, you know, just any any way that we can kind of give back a little bit um we do try um so yeah i think you know it, it's difficult isn't it because obviously women are kind of 50 percent of the population so i would never yes. try, try and speak for all women um but i think you know i think things are getting better but we just need to keep keep talking and and yeah not rest on our laurels awesome and there are yeah i mean on that what's What's exciting to see is the strong female leads in a mm. lot of games now. Yes. And I think that's that's really exciting. And I hear that that a lot of people whose kids play games, boys actually, if they have the choice, a lot of the time they go, they want to play the female if they can yeah. choose between a male and a female. And I think that's really interesting. See, that's brilliant. I mean, I <laughs> kind of, you know, I remember playing Mortal Kombat and, you know, Street Fighter and things with my brothers, you know, growing up. And you just kind of you know, there was always that kind of like, oh, I don't want to be Chun Li. I don't want, you know, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was considered somehow less than. And I think, yeah. you know, I think there's been a lot of work done in recent years to try and change that perception. And also, you know, I know from from having having friends with with sons, you know, the amount of work that goes into kind of <laughs> making sure that they aren't socialized in that way that they're seeing yeah. their their girl peers as somehow less than and that mm. you know they it's okay for you to want to you know um dress like <laughs> you know yeah. a female character to emulate them to go you know to go to a party in in a costume you know that is not necessarily um you know, male presenting. So I think, you know, there's, there's been a lot of work going into sort of unlearning all of those kind of bad behaviours in terms of seeing female role models as, as something less than or something yeah. weak. Um, I th again, I think we've got a long way to go. I think it's yeah. quite, it's slightly depressing how easily the the kind of needle swings back the other way when you take your mm. eye off the ball. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, you know, 
there's a lot more range as well in video games now in terms of how femininity is presented. Obviously, you know, everyone enjoys Tomb Raider, but, you know, <laughs> as I say again, yeah. when I was growing up, it was very much kind of like, you know, Lara Croft was the go-to character, you know, stock female character. And you kind of think, you know, we have come a long way since then. Yeah. But I'm also very aware of kind of online dialogue and, you know, kind of backlash against women that don't necessarily conform to certain beauty standards. And, mm. you know, you kind of sometimes, you know, on bad days, you kind of think, God, yeah, we have got a long way to go. Yeah. <laughs> but things are getting better. And, you know, we just need to really keep moving in the right direction, I think. Definitely, definitely. And I think you know, art has always been that thing to to yeah. push the boundaries and whether it's film or TV or animation or video games, these are all art forms that help to, to bring issues to the surface and help to change people's perceptions as well. So, yeah. Absolutely. And again, it goes back to, you know, whether it's games, whether it's film and TV, whether it's theatre, it's, um, it's having a diverse and representative group of people behind the scenes as well as as yep. the kind of you know the face of of those properties uh, and making sure that you know there are <laughs> voices coming through that writing coming through those designs um and i think you know until we until we have real equality and and real sort of equity across the board um yep. you know th- things won't move as quickly as they should um so yeah i think it's 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 moving in the right direction but we've got a long way to go <laughs> yeah <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and what challenges have you faced in your career and how have you overcome them? Hmm, interesting. I mean, I think from my perspective, I think, you know, it is one of those female traits or it's perceived to be a female trait to be sort of um, more nurturing, more kind, yeah. more uh, sort of softer, if you like. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, people mistake you know, being flexible and easygoing for weakness. So I think, yeah. you know, quite often I've I've found it quite difficult to kind of advocate for myself and to um to kind of be forthright and be kind of, you know, sort of hold my ground without worrying that I'm going to be perceived as being, you know, bossy or mm. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's still something, you know, to be perfectly honest, that's still something that I I struggle with. Um yeah is that kind of, you know, I think women have a certain set of expectations placed upon them that that their yeah. male counterparts wouldn't necessarily um, even think about yeah. <laughs> in the workplace. So I think for me, you know, I've been incredibly lucky. I've always had very supportive bosses. I've always had kind of great colleagues. I've always had, um, you know, really strong um, mentors and, and kind of, you know, female colleagues to look up to and, um, you know, I, I kind of have just been very fortunate and I am very aware of, of my own sort of privilege. Um, but I think, you know, it is a struggle. If I, You know, if I'm pressed, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> I know, you know, I've been in situations where we've all been sat at a board table and I've been asked to go and get drinks because I'm the only woman in the room. I mean, I think we've all been there. <laughs> so, yeah. so I think sometimes, you know, the, the challenges that you face aren't necessarily presenting themselves as challenges. They're kind of little micro yeah. aggressions and, and kind of things that are so commonplace that you just don't even notice really. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, I've definitely definitely experienced that but I don't want to kind of overstate it because I've you know as I say I have been very fortunate but I think you know it's something that that most women would would recognize <laughs> yeah yeah oh absolutely yeah yeah I know all about that 
What advice would you give to a younger Katie? <laughs> hmm, that's interesting. Um, I think probably the same advice that I would give the acting community, to be honest, don't self-reject. Um, it took me a long time. I think, you know, the very reason that I gave up acting was because I was just terrified of rejection. And I, you know, I was quite mm-hmm. thin thin skinned at the time I was young I was you know it was the 90s <laughs> yeah I was very preoccupied with how you know how I should look you know the fact that I wasn't thin enough or I didn't have blonde hair or you know mm. all these things that that casting directors kind of would say <laughs> in a quite yeah. you know quite offhand way um that kind of had a very profound effect on on me and certainly some of the young women that I was I was um in classes with um so I think I would say um, you know, the advice I would give myself is that stuff's all very fleeting yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and very, very overrated as well. Um, you know, it's a very ephemeral thing, I think, sort of, you know, conforming to certain beauty standards. Um, so I think, you know, focus on the right things, focus on um, being a good person, having integrity. Don't worry about the things that you can't change, <laughs> the yeah. things that you can't fix. You know, you're fine. No one is paying any where near as much attention to your defects as as you are yeah. <laughs> or your yeah. you know what you think are your defects um and i would say you know yeah don't self reject go for it say yes to everything and figure it out later because you know you're much more capable than you think you are um so you know it's that thing isn't it if they say if a, if a woman sees a job advert she'll kind of if she's only got one of the skills listed she will just not bother yeah <laughs> whereas you know men will kind of you know will just go for it kind of thing um and i think you know that is definitely true i've certainly um talked myself out of a lot, lot of opportunities i think because of nerves or because you know of of imposter syndrome um so yeah i think that would be my my overall message just you know go for it more, have a little bit more self-belief because <laughs> no one, no one knows what they're doing. <laughs> That's the That's, big secret. <laughs> that is. I remember someone saying that to me. It was like, you, you know, you know, you're an adult when you suddenly realize nobody knows what they're doing and Absolutely. everybody's worried that, that somebody's going to figure out that they don't know what they're doing <laughs> exactly that there's when you the moment that's kind of that sad moment isn't it when you know childhood's gone forever when you realize that none of the adults are actually in control really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are no grown-ups <laughs> it's just lots of really overgrown children pretending they know what they're doing oh that's brilliant brilliant but at least we get to work in a creative world where we can be fun and play and absolutely and where you know where playfulness and imagination and and that sort of sense of wonder is is a real um bonus you know um and I think you know quite often we're it's very easy to get bogged down isn't it in the kind of in the operational side of jobs and the spreadsheets and the, and the kind of, you know, <laughs> bottom line. But actually I think, you know, that's the other thing is you have to keep that sense of curiosity and you have to keep yeah. that sense of wonder. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Amazing. <laughs> keep that sense of wonder guys. I like that. Um, thank you so much, Katie, for joining no, me. Today thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been brilliant. It's been absolutely brilliant. Um, and um, everyone can find your details. So uh, Liquid Violet, uh, is it liquidviolet.com? Liquidviolet.co.uk. Brilliant. <laughs> Excellent. Um, wonderful. And um, and yeah, you're on social media? 
yes, again, we're on Instagram. It's Liquid Violet. Um, we are on Twitter. Um, and yeah, LinkedIn. You can you can find me. Reach out on LinkedIn. I'm around. Um, yeah, we're we're all over socials. So yeah, just it's yeah, just just go on the website and you'll find us. <laughs> Fantastic, <laughs> amazing, and you'll be at Get Your Game on London 2023. So that's going to be so much fun. Um, yes. Yeah. Can't wait. Yeah. Excellent. Good stuff. <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us for this week's The Voice Over Hour podcast. Thank you for listening to The Voice Over Hour podcast, season four, brought to you by The Voice Over Network, with special sponsors, Sennheiser, Focusrite, Audio Technica and Elements Demos. My name's Rachel Naylor. Join me for the next episode taking you behind the scenes in the voiceover industry.